want to be successful? Do you want to grow your business? Do you want to dominate the day? Then you're going to need big skip energy. Brock, welcome to the Big Skip Energy Podcast. How are we doing today? Thanks, Skip. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Brock and I are just coming off of NBA Annual up in Philadelphia. Both had a had a solid conference, man. Tell you what, uh, Brock, what, what, what was your favorite thing from the conference? The NBA conference is, was so so much larger than the other conferences. I saw, I saw you at the Acuma Conference for credit. Acuma Conference, yeah. To aim for mortgage brokers. So I've been all over the place. But I really liked at NBA that there was a lot more different events going on and a lot more people that whether they were at the conference to learn or to sell or somewhere in between, it was just a lot more attendance. So yeah. I, I got to have a lot a lot more kind of conversations with, I guess, what I'd consider more my typical prospects and then to yeah. accelerate some of the sales cycles. Well, I think that's really important. I, I know I didn't bring you out here to discuss conventions and conferences. Content of speakers aside, I think that's really key is that you utilize the time you have there and the opportunity that you have to get exposed to different people and network. I know Everybody always says, oh, I really enjoy catching up with everybody. It's not just the dynamic of old industry friends and that kind of thing. It really is learning more about what's out there, who's out there. You'll find some prospects, be able to network. And that's really key. And so I think NBA, just like Acumo, obviously wasn't as big of a conference, but they did a phenomenal job. NBA conferences, that's that that's key there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so it, it's good to do some of both, catching up with the people in the industry. And yeah, maybe you can do something with, maybe you can't, um, but people have moved around. I've only been at my current company, which now we're going to talk about in a second, for less than a year. So a lot of people don't, don't know much about them. So I got to do a lot of quick rounds of, of intros and catch-ups, which was great. Well, that's an excellent segue into me letting you introduce yourself. So Brock, please tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. My name is Brock Cassidy. I, I work for NewZip. I run their lender sales and partnerships, and I'm the chief revenue officer. But yeah, so I've been in the few different places in the mortgage and real estate ecosystem. I worked at Rocket for a long time, helped Rocket build up what is now Rocket Homes, their real estate arm. And that's pretty relevant to what we're doing at NewZip, where we're helping, helping other companies in the lending space, whether it's credit unions, banks, uh, IMBs or even mortgage brokers to kind of stand up their own real estate offering that they can that they can work in in tandem with their mortgage offering. Very cool. So it's interesting you say that, and that's one of the things I want to talk to you about today. Is obviously our transactions require a lot of alignment of different parties, different interests, different everything in order to do that one end goal of helping the consumer purchase that home. A lot goes into it. And frankly, the the average home buyer really does not understand how much behind the scenes work has to be done by each individual party, much less getting them all to coalesce together to make this one thing happen. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of the multi-party approach when when selling and why that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're speaking exactly my language here. That's the whole purpose of Newsip, basically. But in general, Newsip aside. There's some transactions that go really well for home buyers, right? Where it's maybe a local realtor and a local loan officer who understand each other's coverage areas and mortgage products and credit score requirements and everything super well. And so they know exactly when to call each other and exactly when to plug each other into the process. And right. the client gets this beautiful experience where a client may, may might be excited about something really specific on the mortgage side in terms of their rate, or they might be really excited about a home. 
that they're shopping for, whatever. Right. But the two parties or more, right? There, there can be multiple parties on the mortgage side. There can be multiple parties on the real estate side. That's true. Later, there'll be title, later, there'll be title people yeah, involved. Whatever else. Yeah. So with all that going on, it's just kind of a matter of it doesn't happen every time, right? So that's what we hope for every time. But really often, and I saw this at Rocket where we were lending in all 50 states and, and certainly didn't have realtor relationships in all 50 states in the early days, it became really important to, to try to build some program where all across the country, you could try to build that type of experience. And it's never going to be perfect, but that was kind of like my early background in the industry. So it's been a problem I've been thinking about for a long time. And, and so NewZip is the tech startup background guys taking that approach that some lenders have taken themselves, some local... LOs and realtors, of course, throughout hundreds of years have taken that approach. But our kind of thesis is let's plug it into the whole United States, you know, 3,100 counties and, and 50 states and, and see if we can program, create a program of options for real estate services that any lender can use, any LO can use, any credit union can use. And so that's kind of our approach. But the other key thing that I think is a little bit different and, and really important and I'm learning more about every day is that you want them to be not only people that get along and can work the client together, but you want them to be truly, truly integrated. And so mm-hmm. that's where we go to great lengths to if if you were running Big Skip Mortgage, we could call your program the Big Skip Real Estate Concierge, right? And, mm-hmm. and so we don't care about our brand. Newsip is the name of our company, but that's in the background. We the client may or may not ever know that they worked with Newsip. It's, it's It'll become clear maybe on the statements at settlement. But other than that, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, because we want the client to have a cohesive experience. And we know most people, today, most people start by, start out by talking to an LO. So if we assume an LO or, or some part of a mortgage company, it could be an automated process, is where a client goes first, then we want to give them a really great way to plug in the next step. And rather than let the client kind of leave, leave your shop physically or digitally, Instead, keep them there and then and, and tell them how it's all going to work and give them reasons, including saving money and having this cohesive experience to do it. So tell me more about the integration piece of it. I know it's a, like you and I speak the same language, but let's just say an average Joe loan officer is listening to us talk about this. What does that look like by yeah. your definition? Yeah, I'll give you exactly. So we see about 60 for, for consumer direct, it's a little higher for retail, it's a little lower. Um, but in general, we see about 65% of purchased mortgage leads come in without a realtor. So let's just say it's one of those. Let's say it's one of those clients come comes in, wants to know what they can afford, has some areas of interest, and starts speaking to a loan officer. The loan officer will talk to them about everything they need to, right? The credit, the income, the income verification, what the rates look like, what affordability looks like, everything else. At some point along the way, they're going to realize that the client is, well, the client's either going to receive a pre-approval or even if they haven't yet received a pre-approval, they are far enough into the process that you're setting a next step, right? You're setting yeah. a next step. And a lot of times that next step is going to be to get a realtor, or at least one of the next steps is going to be to get a realtor and go look at houses. And so at that point, um, what we recommend is kind of a co-branded option where you say, Hey, we have an in-house preferred real estate program. People brand it different ways, either in-house, preferred, whatever. Yeah. Let's just say, let's say preferred program. We have a preferred real estate program where we can get you a top local agent in, in whatever area you end up looking in. And hey, Skip, you're, you're interested in looking in both Florida and Georgia. We can actually get you two different agents if you want, because um, our partner has agents everywhere um, that they'll plug in to work with you. And if hmm. you use our preferred program, 
then it'll I'll, I'll get all the updates all along the way, and you'll save uh, half a percentage of real estate, half a percentage point of real estate commission at the end. So for your four hundred thousand dollar approval, you're going to get a two thousand dollar credit at closing if you use both me and my preferred real estate program. Okay, very good. So what I, what I'm hearing though is, is that if we take a step back and we look at this and the service that you know that you provide your customer and that your company provides, not only consumers but real estate professionals too, I think it goes back to 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 two things. One is the importance of relying on professionals because they're not using a realtor. They've got to, right? I am not one of those people that is all for sale by owner. That's just that this does not set up for a successful transaction 98% of the time. But also from the LO and realtors perspective, it also helps start to establish uh, establish relationship. It, 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 it turns that cold connection to an even warmer connection for them to, to be able to reach out. So let's talk about that a little bit more. How often in your experience do you see your clients utilize your solution here to start building up a referral base? Yeah, it's a great question because I think when we first started this company, before I even joined, when the co-founders of NewZip first started this company, it was pretty cut and dry of we can help people convert their leads better. And that's we can help loan officers convert their leads better. And, and that's it, right? So mm-hmm. That's a really valuable service. They'll close more. We'll make money. And it's, it's true. And that's kind of the core of it. And when you work with a big consumer direct shop that doesn't really care to establish realtor relationships or isn't really going to have a real shot at, at creating realtor relationships across the entire country because they're getting business mixed in everywhere. Mm. That was fine. But what, and we talked about this at, at Acuma, the credit union conference, we're now, but we pivoted pretty far from that. Now we're working with even local credit unions that are member owned. We're mm-hmm. working with community banks. We're working with retail branches. We're working with any different mortgage originator and for a lot of them, what you just described is the number one reason to work with us. Convert, yep. conver- converting the individual lead better is good. Close, take my closing rate up by a few points. And we have we actually just published a great case study on that, which maybe you can link to in the show notes after because that works. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. But yep. in terms of but the really important part for especially kind of a retail approach loan officer is that you probably don't have as many realtor relationships as you want. Mm-hmm. I've yet to meet an LO that, that doesn't want another realtor sending them deals back, right? Right, um, sure. And so, and so we have all this data that says we're rolling out this feature calling wallet share. Um, you can look at any loan officer and you can see which, or you can do it either way. You can look at any realtor and see all the loan officers they're doing deals with. So you can see who you're kind of competing with, or you can look at any, any uh, realtor in our network and see who the other, other LOs are that they're doing business with. So, mm. so what we want to build eventually is kind of this, on, this, this program of not only can you see, not only can you track your referrals out and see what's going on, you can make targets on exactly who you want to kind of win as a referral partner and who you can win from even. Very cool. So, all right. I want to shift gears a little bit. All right. We talked a lot about kind of who you are, what you all do, and the benefits of that type of service and why it's so important, right? Yeah. I want to take a step back again, and let's look at this just bigger picture. You being in tech sales, all right? Now, you've sold, you sold obviously, successfully here. You've sold for Rocket, that kind of thing, just d- different style or different provider. But talk to me about what you think. If you had to pick, I'm putting you on the spot here, all right, man? If you had to pick three key strategies to selling tech to financial institutions, even, what do you think that those three things are? Yeah, 
There, that's a good. I don't get the thoughts. Get the yeah, thoughts. So yeah, let me give you a couple examples. So my, so I, I didn't mention in between Rocket and my current job at Newzip, I, I ran basically kind of enterprise level lender sales for mm-hmm. an alternative mortgage product. So probably some of my stories will come from those days because that was that's fine. With, with large lenders on large sales for new products, new lending products, basically. And so one of those cycles took over a year, right? So my first one's going to be patience. So, yeah, because tech sales, it's like, it's not like, not like when you're doing like a refi sale or, or even selling a car or something like that, where it's like, Yeah, it's definitely not instant gratification by any No, and so you have to know that it's going to take people have all different, every guru has a number for this, but let's say you're going to have to talk to someone 16 times before they buy from you, something like right. that, 13 times. And depending on the price of the product or the complexity of the partnership, it goes higher and higher and higher and higher. And mm-hmm. so when you're embedding into, let's say, a bank, it's going to be a lot more than that. You might talk to your, your main contact that many times and then 10 other contacts two or three times. Right. Because you not only have your natural sales cycle, if you're working with a financial institution who has regulatory red tape to satisfy or requirements, I shouldn't say red tape, but requirements to satisfy, that it could extend it out even further. Yeah, it's uh, red type might be the right word sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're going to have a compliance process and a buying process. And there's going to yeah. be people that want, there's going to be people, that, even if everyone wants it, there's still going to be some kind of like categorical, like hesitancy to sign up for anything. Yeah, exactly. Because it's hard work sometimes. Is, uh, patience is my number one. Number two is going to be figuring out, you, you need to have one or more, but really one really core advocate. So you need to figure out who's in the most pain that you can solve. Who has like, what's in it for me is like the classic sales tactic, right? So you can do it at the company level of say, you're going to convert your purchase mortgage better because you have a real estate program now. Great. But you, but if you zoom in a little further, you can get more specifics what's in it for the individual person. And so let's say it's like a VP of lending who is trying to come up with new and innovative ways to improve their purchase during this down cycle, right? It's like, maybe this is something that they can say in a board meeting. Maybe this is something they can say. And that gives you a timeline that they want to get it done by. And right. so you can really, you, you can go deeper than you you'd originally think of and think about what's in it for this individual person where they, they have this presentation about how they have this awesome new plan and this cool new product that's going to change their game in 2024. But in order to do that, they need to sign up with you by X period of time. And then now they're the one running alongside you. They're, they're selling internally. And so you yeah. can only like when you're selling externally to someone else, it's there's a lot of rooms you don't get in. So you need someone internal to sell for you, an advocate or whatever you want to call it. So, so, I, but I'm also hearing that creating a sense of urgency within that advocacy is really key. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I don't know if the third one's kind of like in the same Venn diagram, but I, I always believe that every every tech sale, every enterprise sale, especially, needs to find when calming yeah. ground. There's always like like on social media and everything, everyone glorifies the hustle. And if you cold call enough people, someone's going to buy. And, and I'm not disputing that. But you're but what you really find is someone that that needs it. What you really find is someone that's going to benefit from it. Like that's say, what it's all about, dude. If they don't actually benefit, then it's really not a win, right? Exactly. And honestly, it, it can end up being a huge problem too. If you get to the finish line and you spend six months on a sales cycle. And at the end of the day, they whether they sign the contract or not, whether they pay you or not, and unsu- it's still going to be unsuccessful if they're if it's not a good fit. So I always look for when is the oversimplified way I think about it is like what exactly are they getting out of this? 
Yeah, I know. We make money. Cool. But it's not really, that's masking a fake win. Guy, uh, like, like folks that have listened to my show or that have been through my trainings, the square peg and the round hole approach, you may eventually get it in there, but what did you have to do it? And what do you have when have to show for, for it when you're done? You got nothing. And are you going to get a bad review down the road that's going to cost you three future exactly. sales? And so it's just not, yeah. it's, it's not worth that. So I, want, I do want to touch on, on, on your number one thing, your patience aspect of it. Now, I agree with you. Playing the long game is huge. And that's a, that applies to a lot of a lot of different industries and things or d- different sales, that kind of stuff. What are some of the ways you found to be most successful in essentially continuing to stay relevant through that sales cycle? How, like you said, every sales guru does have a different number for number of touches before a sale. Let's just take that out of it. But so touches aside, what are some of the ways you try and stay in front of your prospect? Yeah, there's a few. The most important one to me is creating milestones along the way. Yes. It can be a, it, it can be a pretty long plan, right? We, where it's I need to win over the and whether you tell whether you kind of tell your your party you're selling to the, the milestones or not, you you probably need to tell your internal team. You probably need to tell whoever your uh, head of sales or CEO yep. or whatever. So I would always try to create like milestones of hey, now we the lending team wants it. That's a milestone. They mm-hmm. agree, and they are going to bring it to the marketing team. And then now that might take weeks and then the marketing team wants it. And giving yourself sort of the sense of little wins and momentum, I think is the most important. And then eventually you get to compliance and then you get to contract and whatever. But if you're just measuring from first call to contract, it's going to be, it's going to be super painful. It's going to be, this has been eight months and I haven't accomplished anything. But if it's like, oh, well, no, we've actually had a sign off from 90% of who we need sign off from. And we have this one leg of the deal left, then you feel a whole lot better about it. So that's my biggest one. And beyond that, I think there's like little tactical ways where it's getting out to conferences where these people might be yeah. coming up with kind of like normal reasons to talk to them. You see something in the news relevant to them. You shoot them a quick email or a quick text and say, this made me think of you and, and maybe what we could do together. Or maybe you don't even know, or maybe it just made me think of, of you guys. Or you see they won an award. Yeah. Um, basically, just look for excuses to stay. Oh, man, that's, that's kind of sales 101, being successful, successful is staying in contact, having a reason to get to uh, stay in touch is huge. But yeah, all right. So, to, yeah. So, that's. I just have to stay away from say, from sending the emails where it's just like, I haven't heard from you in two weeks. So, I'm following up. You yeah. Know, like, Follow up and checking in are, are like the banes of my existence. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I try to avoid those and, and, and recommend that to everyone. Especially and you and I, it's kind of funny. You and I are both pretty heavily involved in, in LinkedIn stuff. And I'm sure you get these all the time. Like, I do get the the um, messages in your inbox of folks trying, trying to sell you something. And hey, if you don't reply, just check in. We're going to bump this to the top of your inbox or this kind of like, oh, God, it's brutal. Like, no, it doesn't work, dude. <laughs> I'll, I'll just check in. Give me a reason to think about yeah, it. Yeah, just check it in. Okay, congratulations. I'm not a hotel, all right? Yeah. You're, not, you're not checking in here. But, okay, so bringing it back, though, to New Zip, what would you say is the most impactful benefit that the service that y'all provide really gives the entire process? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we just give people a lot of, we give LOs as well as consumers more confidence in the transaction. Confident. Okay. So we used to say at Rocket, when we, with refi, it was easy, right? You just, people come in and they, you can do the transaction as quickly as you can do it. Yeah. You can process it. But for purchase, 
there's anywhere from a three month to six month to in this market, maybe nine, 12 month cycle of getting out there and looking at homes and, and doing all these different things. So what we want, well, really what I sell to LOs is confidence that you have the right realtor partner alongside you for those six months or nine months or 12 months. Yep. And then for the next transaction and the next transaction. And so at Rocket, we called it the house hunting abyss, where it was like, once one of clients out there with a realtor and the, lo- the lending company doesn't know what's going on. And so we try to solve for that and give updates all along the way of what the client's doing, what they're seeing, whether they're looking at other offers, whether they're looking at new construction homes that you might have to compete with or whatever yeah. else. Well, I think that house hunting abyss is actually something that not only happens with, from the mortgage standpoint, realtors experience that same kind of thing too. Sometimes, especially today when we got such low inventory, things just, they, they just don't move as quickly as they used to. And so it's very tricky for real estate agents and uh, to keep, frankly, to keep their buyers from getting discouraged. Um, and losing track of that. And then just not, they get real hot and heavy up front and then this kind of fizzle out. So I really think that's even a bigger deal. It keeps both parties, the the mortgage, real takes them both working towards the same goal to make the transaction happen. Because if they don't, you're going to leave somebody to their own devices, right? And it's just not, that's just not a recipe for success. All right, man. So before we end today, what else would you like to share with everybody? Uh, I think we covered everything I wanted to get into. I guess my only other message would be, I think we're close to, in the mortgage industry specifically, but in tech sales, similar for listeners from from that segment. Like, I I think we're getting close to the darkest days here. Q4 is always a little slower. Interest rates are, they can always go higher, don't get me wrong. But I think the kind of gridlock with everything in the lending business is is close to as bad as it's going to be. So I think it's like everyone has in the back of their mind concerns about whether they're in the right business and everything like that. But the people that come through these always come out the strongest. So I think just a a message of positivity that there is going to be another side to it. And I think 2024 will will begin looking better. Not going to be a silver bullet, but encourage people to stick with the business they're in because they got in for a reason. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think, and also kind of coming off of NBA annual, the general feel in the room whether we had, whether it's just everyone chit-chatting or if we had the regulators up there, if we had the economist up there, the general feel I'd say is optimistic. We know it's a, we're probably not the worst of it, quote unquote worst, but we also do get a glimpse of the light at the end of the tunnel. And whether you think it's summer 2024 towards the end of 2024, more so, it's kind of a joke. I know everyone always says, well, it's 18 months out and Every 12 months keeps getting pushed back to 18 months out. Yeah, yeah. I think now more than ever, we have a real firm anticipation of things getting back to quote unquote normal, whether that is, whether that's takes, takes the form of rate relief, whether it takes the form of inventory, which of course both are connected or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. I think, you know, 12 months from now, we'll be looking back and starting to feel some modicum of normalcy so for sure man all right so brock thank you for coming on if my listeners want to find out more about new zip just want to pick your brain about anything or just find out more about you where should they go what should they do yeah i think the best place to find me like you talked about earlier is linkedin i'm uh, always posting about new zip always posting about the mortgage industry so if we can uh, link to that but yeah brock cassidy on linkedin is probably the best place on twitter as well um, and most social media, but yeah, that's the best place. 
And and Newsip just published this this white paper on our product that I mentioned earlier. Yes, we have to bring that back up. Good call. If you want to learn specifically about the kind of results we've shown, that, that's probably the quickest way to find it. So. Very cool. Well, Brock, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure you and I will see each other again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Kip. Yeah.